This is the Olive Wellness Podcast, brought to you by the Olive Wellness Institute. Welcome to this episode of Olive Wellness Podcast. I'm Sarah Gray. Oils ain't oils. Just like the 1980s TV commercial for engine oil, cooking oils also ain't all equal. The standout is extra virgin olive oil, with health benefits that override most other oils, including the lesser quality plain olive oil. A lot of myths still linger about what you can do with extra virgin olive oil. For example, can you cook with it? Who best to set straight some of the stickiest urban myths than well-known nutrition scientist and dietitian Dr Joanna McMillan? Of all the different cooking oils on the market, what does Joanna recommend? She explains to Heather Dawson. There's only one. You only need one particular oil, and that's extra virgin olive oil. All of those other oils, oh, oh, sorry, I will make an exception also for avocado oil is similar. And interestingly, olives and avocados are the only two fruits that have significant oil content. And so if we take the oils from those fruits, unsurprisingly, they should be good. But there's less research in avocado oil. So if we put our focus there, extra virgin olive oil is widely available in Australia, and we have an Australian industry providing us with that oil. So it's fantastic. Most of the other oils that are on the supermarket shelves are modern introductions into the human diet. They've been created at some point over the last century as we've developed the technology to extract oil from things like um, seeds, of course. The whole vegetable oil is a misnomer. We don't get any oil from any vegetables, so that really is a, a wrong term in my view. Or we could take it from things like cereals. So we've got rice bran oil where it's extracted. Now you can imagine that you press an olive and you squeeze it and you immediately see oil in your hand. The same doesn't happen with a seed or with some brown rice or rice or even just the fibre. So you can immediately imagine that the technology to extract the oil and get rid of all the other ingredients is quite different for the two, and you'd be right. So those other oils are highly refined. So because we've had in the last few decades just such a focus on whether the fat is saturated or whether it's unsaturated, and that seems to have been the sole focus and that's been the sole application of understanding and assessing the oils in our diet, we've actually kind of missed the bigger picture, which is that most of those oils are all low in saturates and they're high in unsaturates. But there's a big difference in terms of what happens when you refine an oil. You might get some chemical residues in there. You might have, albeit very small, but present levels of trans fats that we know to be the worst kinds of fats, not to mention the energy and the environmental impact of creating those kinds of oils. Whereas something like extra virgin olive oil, which is a much simpler pressing of fruit and extracting of the oil, nothing else happens to it. It's not refined in any way. And that preserves the high number of what we call phytochemicals. And these are bioactive ingredients, largely polyphenols, that we know have huge health benefits, both they have effects on the microbiome, which of course is another hot topic of, of research interest at the moment, and this knock-on effect of health benefits for us. And you won't find those polyphenols in any great quantity in any of those other oils on the supermarket shelf. So it really sets extra virgin olive oil apart. Well, tell us a bit more about the health Mm. benefits of extra virgin olive oil. So we know that extra virgin olive oil, and also I'll make that distinction between extra virgin and the other thing that frustrates me is consumers will see light olive oil and think, oh, well, that must be better for me. It's not lighter in calories or kilojoules. That's a refined olive oil so that you're missing out on these bioactive chemicals that we're talking about. So it's important that you don't buy olive oil or pure olive oil or light olive oil. Look for the words extra virgin olive oil and try not to buy imported. At least the imported ones in our supermarket are often 
not the real deal. You want to buy Australian extra virgin olive oil to be assured of, of getting as fresh an oil as possible and having as high levels of these bioactive compounds. So if we look overall at the research, we see benefits for heart health, of course. That's where this sort of started from, a reduction in cardiovascular disease risk. So we know that there's benefits for the vascular system and for the heart in particular. We know that there's benefits in the gut. So we've got really interesting research emerging about the impact of extra virgin olive oil and the polyphenols on the microbiome and on the gut health overall. And then we've got benefits for brain health. So, you know, that's a big area for me. My last book, self-plug here, uh, Brain Food, actually highlighted extra virgin olive oil as being, and I was amazed at how much research I could pull out showing that this oil actually reduces your risk of cognitive decline, helps you with your brain performance from day to day because it's a very stable fat and it's got these anti-inflammatory and antioxidant benefits throughout the body. So, you know, it can potentially be of benefit. We certainly know it reduces your risk of type 2 diabetes, cardiovascular disease we mentioned, uh, cognitive decline, but also several types of cancer, including skin cancer. So it's a pretty incredible ingredient to use. And, and really, to me, I think it deserves to be in a category of its own. It's not, shouldn't be in with refined oils, which we don't need at all in our diet. As an aside from a an expert point of view such as you'd bring to the table, mm. Joe, it must be quite frustrating going to the supermarket and seeing so many what you would say is misnomers. Absolutely. Yes, I think it misleads because, of course, you know, the food industry are trying to sell their product at the end of the day. And so often you're much better off. But of course, I don't expect part of my job is to help advise people as to what to pick because not all of us have time to wander around the supermarket turning away from all the marketing on the front of pack to actually read the small print, you know, find your glasses if you wear glasses and read the small print and really understand what you're seeing. So I, I think we've got a long way to go in terms of helping people consumers to make the best choices. Our health star rating system is trying to do that, but actually it totally falls down in the oils category. It doesn't work for that category. So, you know, we've got a long way to go with helping with consumers. But I think the main thing is to just always come back to what has been a part of the human diet for a long time. Extra virgin olive oil certainly has, tick. And what is part of those traditional diets? What is ultra processed food? And stay away from that. And if you just manage to build up where you have a plant-rich whole food diet, your choice as to whether you include seafood or eggs or meat or dairy, these are all personal choices that can be made. And use something like an extra virgin olive oil as your fat if you're using an oil. You know, that's the basics of really trying to fill your supermarket trolley with most of those things. And then the packaged stuff is then about trying to look for what can help us, what can help with convenience. Because most of us are not growing our own veggies in the backyard and able to go and hunt for our meat. So we want the level of convenience so that we don't have to spend hours in the kitchen. So there are certain ingredients we can add in to help us to have a healthy diet. Yes, well, given that there is some confusion in the marketplace still, mm. what are some of the biggest myths that you'd like to see busted when it comes to olive oils? oils. Well, the, the biggest myth I really want to put to bed is the idea that you cannot cook with extra virgin olive oil. So I've met so many people over the years who, and I remember even in my own family growing up, mum had the extra virgin olive oil, you know, the expensive extra virgin olive oil in the pantry, and it was brought out for doing a salad dressing or when we had, you know, a special occasion sort of event. And the myth that's been perpetuated, and often I'm speaking with chefs about this and trying to educate them, is the idea that we can't heat it and that you somehow destroy the oil if you heat it. That is absolutely categorically not true. And we've got the scientific studies now to show that it's not true. Not only is it not true, but in fact, 
it is the safest oil to cook with. So extra virgin olive oil has been shown to be much safer and be more stable and produce fewer, if any, of the toxic compounds that can happen over time compared to these highly refined seed oils like canola, sunflower, rice bran oil, grapeseed oil. All of these oils perform much, much worse. And the stablest oil was actually, safest oil has been extra virgin olive oil. So we know that now. So that's the one myth. Don't keep it for special in the back of the cupboards. It's the only oil you really need. You know, you might have some sesame oil for flavouring an Asian dish or, you know, you might use an unrefined um, nut oil for a salad dressing if you want a particular flavour. But the truth is, the only oil you'll find in my pantry is extra virgin olive oil. And my only decision is whether I use one with a very strong, robust flavour or whether I use a lighter flavoured one because I'm baking or I, I don't want so much of the flavour of the extra virgin olive oil coming through. Those are the only decisions I make. But that's the only oil you need. Well, I must confess, I always understood that you shouldn't cook with extra virgin olive oil. Where did that myth come from? Yeah, well, look, there's some confusion over it. Some of it comes from in the Mediterranean region. Of course, what's happened in the Mediterranean region is they don't actually produce extra virgin olive oil in as inefficient a way as most of the Australian producers are today. So the olives can sit in a pile waiting to be pressed. And of course, then the olives start to ferment. And so then you you immediately don't have extra virgin olive oil and it probably has to be refined and it's then sold as an olive oil or it's blended with extra virgin olive oil and so on. So those substandard, effectively, inferior kinds of oils may well not be suitable for cooking with. And that's probably where the myth came. But I've asked a number of people that and I get a slightly different answer, but that's kind of what we think. The other response I've had is that other seed oil manufacturers have perpetuated this myth on purpose in order to be able to sell their products. And there's a misunderstanding of, oh, it's all about the smoke point. And actually, we've now shown that the smoke point is a poor indicator of how the oil actually performs under heat and, and over time. So I think that, yes, the seed oil manufacturers have been very vocal in saying, yes, don't cook with extra virgin. You have to buy our product. It's the one to cook with. And they're cheaper. So commercial enterprises, of course, and our food industry has launched onto that. And, and unfortunately, we've moved away from what was traditional. So how does oil fit into a healthy diet, Joe? And can we include a number of different fats and oils? Can we mix them up a bit? Yeah, well, I wouldn't use any other particular oils other than, you know, small amounts of other. If you're making a, I don't know, a Thai curry, you may well want to use a little coconut oil, but it's not going to have the same benefits as extra virgin olive oil. So I'd say use that as your principal fat. And reassuringly, one of the questions I'm often asked is, well, well, am I going to gain weight suddenly if I'm including this extra virgin olive oil? And in fact, from the studies that we've looked at, even adding, you know, four tablespoons of extra virgin olive oil into people's diets in the European study showed they didn't gain weight over the few years. So what seems to happen is, and in fact, there's some evidence that you actually get better appetite control, that the metabolism of extra virgin olive oil actually creates particularly feedback mechanisms to the brain helping to control appetite. There may be microbiome changes that happen following a Mediterranean style diet with extra virgin olive oil that help us to control our appetite. So I would suggest think of it as using extra virgin olive oil as your principal fat, but very much adhering to that sort of plant-rich, whole food kind of a diet. You can certainly also have fats from whole foods like nuts and seeds in their whole form, and avocado also have huge benefits for us. And then you can trust your appetite a lot more when you're following that kind of a diet as part of a lifestyle that is more active, where you're controlling your stress and you're getting enough sleep. 
All of those factors come together to give you the best chance. Some of us will still get the tough card, unfortunately, but it will give you the best chance of having your optimal health. Well, look, Joe, we've spoken about confusion or misunderstanding in the marketplace about the benefits of one oil compared with another and the research now about extra virgin olive oil. Could public health guidelines uh, be changed or improved, mm. do you think, based on the evidence? And oh, yes. <laughs> yes. You'd like to see Funnily that? Funnily enough, <laughs> uh, something I'm working on, yes, um, absolutely. Yeah, I think it can take a long time. I, you know, I often have to sort of field this question and partly I want to defend our dietary guidelines and government. You know, it takes a long time for the, for the cogs to turn and big institutions to sort of change our guidelines. And things like the Health Star rating system, you know, I have every sympathy that it's incredibly difficult to look at something as complex as food and diet and apply a single algorithm that can be done to apply to all foods. It's a very, very difficult process. So I have every sympathy for the people involved in that. But yes, absolutely. And the other thing is, of course, there has to be very compelling, a lot of evidence to then instigate a change. So I'm aware, for example, that there's being a review of dairy foods, for example, we've long had the advice to have reduced fat dairy. Now that's being reviewed because there's been good evidence from several sources. We can't just look at one study. There's got to be a compelling case with lots of studies showing that actually high fat dairy doesn't seem to be associated with heart disease. And in fact, there may well be benefits from fermented dairy in particular, from things like yogurt and kefir and even cheese. So, you know, we get this, but it takes a wee while to filter through and get into our dietary guidelines. So I would love to see that we get this change in dietary guidelines that does more directly. There is big, strong support for the Mediterranean diet and for extra virgin olive oil. But at the moment, it's not being translated into the health star rating system. That's something I'm working on to try to convince them to treat the oils category differently and to really give better, clear advice, because I still think there's some confusion there with the public. But on the other hand, I have to say, you know, I've been in Australia 20 years now and things have come on leaps and bounds in 20 years. You know, when I was first here, I do remember there were products on supermarket shelves that didn't even have a nutrition label to tell you what was in the food. That was it. So we we have come a long way, but we've got a lot longer to go. Joanna McMillan. And that ends this episode of Olive Wellness Podcast. To learn more about the nutrition, health and wellness benefits of olives and olive products, please visit the Olive Wellness Institute website at olivewellnessinstitute.org. Until next time, I'm Sarah Gray. Thanks for listening.